Well, hey, um, today is the grand finale of Thriving. So you guys have made it. You are now scholars of the book of 1 Thessalonians in about half an hour anyway, okay? So you are scholars of 1 Thessalonians. We have dissected it from every angle over the last number of weeks. And our hope, our prayer for all of you guys is that you have learned a little bit more what it means to thrive in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because like we said at the beginning, it's not about just kind of surviving. It's not about just kind of going through the motions. It's about how can we thrive in our walks with God? How can we take those steps closer and closer to him? And so we've had a lot of different practical things that Paul has given us in the book of 1 Thessalonians. But today, I want to start off with a question here. I want you to think about something. If you have ever given a speech or written some type of an important letter, anybody done that? Given a, given a speech, important letter, written anything like that? There we go. Okay. Now, here's the thing. All of your teachers would tell you how essential it is to end with what's called a strong and memorable conclusion, right? Something that's going to be strong and powerful and impactful, a strong and memorable conclusion is vital because it allows the presenter or the author one last chance to kind of drive home that main message, right? With hopes that the audience is going to be able to remember it, not just for a, a little bit of time, but to remember it for the rest of their lives. And so we've got a, a few different examples of some famous closing remarks that were made. Some of you guys have probably heard these before. The first one is very, very famous, by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was a pastor, first and foremost. A lot of times people forget that. In fact, he's got a lot of amazing sermons that are out there. But he said this one, right? Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Woo! Man, I, love, I could listen to him all day long, you know, especially on the steps there of D.C. And then how about this one? Oh, beloved Mother Teresa, right? Mother Teresa, spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful soul. And then, how about JFK? And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Yeah, it's an important thing. So remember, that those are kind of hitting home the messages that they were trying to deliver. And the Apostle Paul, he basically does the same type of thing as he's concluding his first letter to the church in Thessalonians. His final words are meant to leave that kind of lasting impression on the church and then hopefully on us as well as the church today. Okay, So we're going to look in our Bibles in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And today it's going to be a little bit different because we're not giving any cheat sheets today like we usually do, okay? So you can pull out your real Bibles or your smartphones, tablets, whatever. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it myself right here. But you guys can follow along. That would be absolutely wonderful. But this is what it says. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Yeah. So we want to apply that scripture right off the bat. So everybody, please stand. Give each other a holy kiss, okay? No, I'm just kidding. We're not gonna, we're not do, it, it, it is amazing, though, when you, you see that in certain parts of, of scripture. And that was kind of a common way of greeting. We do a handshake. We do a fist bump or a holy hug, holy headlock, something like that. We do here, but they actually had holy kisses that were done there. But you look at all those different parts of that particular passage, and we're going to kind of dive into it. But before we do that, I want to tell you just a, a short story of somebody that really, truly put these things into practice throughout his life. And this story is about a young man by the name of Tyler Trent. You see, Tyler uh, Trent was diagnosed with cancer in the year 2014. And he was only 14 years of age. Uh, and he went through all kinds of rigorous treatment. And the good thing was his cancer then went into remission. Uh, Tyler was also a huge, huge Purdue Boilermaker fan. He earned a scholarship to attend college there. But unfortunately, Tyler's cancer came back during his, his senior year of high school. But through sheer willpower, determination, Tyler was somehow able to make it to his first classes at Purdue University, even though he had surgery literally just two weeks before. Tyler ended up battling cancer three different times. But you know what? He wouldn't give up. He wouldn't give up. His story was actually featured on ESPN's game day and he was present at lots of the Purdue football games. He was even made honorary captain. This regular student that was made honorary captain of the football team. In fact, he was there the night that Purdue upset number two Ohio State in 2018. Maybe some of you guys remember that. And it was incredible how the team and the stadium and everybody just kind of fed off his energy in some ways. And they kept showing him on TV, and I thought from the beginning of that game, I thought, oh boy, Ohio State's in trouble because everybody is really, truly playing for Tyler, playing for Tyler. And Tyler ended up raising over $100,000 for cancer research. Sadly, Tyler ended up dying on January 1st, 2019 in the young age of 20. But cancer did not deter him from really, truly living his life to the absolute fullest until his very, very last breath. The main reason he was able to live this way was due to his rock-solid faith in Jesus Christ. A lot of times, ESPN and the other news sources didn't really report that so much, but when you do the actual research on his life, he had such a faith in Christ. Those who supported Tyler's cancer journey actually wore these bracelets. You know, I wear a bracelet here every day. It's, it's the 9-11 memorial bracelet that I got when I was 
there at the 9-11 memorial, and I wear that in remembrance. But he wore this bracelet here. It says Tyler Strong. What a lot of people don't know is what was on the other side of that bracelet was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18. Yeah. Tyler knew Jesus. Tyler lived out his faith in Christ. Tyler did more probably for the Lord in his 20 years than sometimes maybe we have done in 60, 70, 80, 90 years. He impacted his world for Christ. These verses, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18 says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Yeah. A lot of times people want to know God's will, don't they? If you were to walk down the streets or go outside of Walmart, I love talking to people outside of Walmart. You go, uh, any of these people, and you ask them, would you like to know God's will for your life? 99.9999% of them are going to say yes. Even if they're not a believer in Christ, they want to know somehow, some way, what God's will would be for them. So much of Scripture really, truly points out God's will. You guys realize that? It says over and over again what his will is for our lives. We just got to listen and obey, don't we? So when we look at this, we see that even though Tyler was dying from cancer, he was able to be joyful. He was able to pray. Somehow he was still able to give thanks even in the midst of, of all the struggle and all the pain and everything that was going on in his life, he was still was able to give thanks to the Lord. Here's the deal. We could do the same as well. But if you're like me, your attention can sometimes be drawn maybe to the words such as always or never stop or all circumstances. Sometimes when I read those words, I can feel guilty in some ways because I'm not living up to the super apostle Paul, you know, and the way that he was doing it. And sometimes I can get kind of just down on myself in some ways because I'm not always joyful. There's certain times where maybe I'm going to get down or maybe I'm going to get sad or maybe I'm going to be upset with my kiddos or something like that. And also I, I do stop praying because sometimes I get focused on things that maybe really don't truly matter. And they don't take the time to always think about God and pray continually the way that Paul was talking about. And sometimes I'm not thankful in all circumstances because it's hard to give thanks when sometimes life is full of pain and full of struggles that each of us go through. That could be tough. But you see, that's just it. That's just it. When we interpret life through kind of our limited human perspective, we will always fail to do these things. We're going to fail every time. This is why Paul wants us to kind of shift our perspective from a temporal perspective to an eternal perspective. And this is why he says, for you who belong to Christ Jesus. In fact, the original Greek phrasing is in Christ. Isn't that great? In Christ. We have to recognize that this is important. These two profound words are found 
180 times in the New Testament. 180 times. And also 143 times in Paul's letters. Count it out, right? There's songs that are out that talk about in Christ. In Christ alone, I place my trust. You know, and you hear that on the radio and I jam it because it's so true. In Christ, in Christ alone, that's where we have to put our faith, our trust in him above everything else. So important. It's a popular phrase because it encapsulates our ultimate identity, our worth, our value, which is found in Christ and in him alone. If we try to find our identity, worth, value, in anything else at all, it's going to what? It's going to fade. It's going to spoil. It could be taken away in just a flash. But when our identity is rooted and established in Jesus Christ, whoa, nothing's going to stop that. Nobody can take that away because your identity is found in him, in Christ alone. When we recognize that we belong to Jesus, we're able to stop living for ourselves and begin living life his way. Not our way. His way. No wonder Tyler Trent was able to stare cancer and his impending death right in the eyes. Right in the eyes and still live life to the fullest degree. He had that right perspective. He was in Christ. You see, with this in mind, we got to look again at this passage, right? Through this perspective, not our own limited perspective, but through in Christ's perspective. First part, right? Always be joyful. Woo! Yeah. It's helpful to remember that joy is not based on how we feel or what's going on in our lives. We've said that a lot of times from this stage. And all the different pastors have said it because it's so important for us to recognize that. Instead, joy is what? It is a settled type of confidence, a settled contentment that God is in control. Whew. Despite how we feel or what is going on in our lives. Amen? That he's in control. Sometimes we feel like everything is out of control and that we cannot get our hands on anything and yet somehow God is working things out and redeeming even horrible situations that may happen to us. He can redeem those for his glory. I love the way Henry Nouwen talks about joy. Henry Nouwen's a famous author. I got a great opportunity to read a lot of his books when I was in seminary at Ashland Seminary. And uh, this is one of his quotes that I like. It says, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. It's a choice based on the knowledge that we belong to God and have found in God our refuge and our safety and that nothing, not even death, can take God away from us. Not even death. Isn't that amazing? Moment by moment, day by day, we get to choose where we put our ultimate trust. Is it in God or is it in somebody else or something else? When we choose God, especially in the face of whatever the difficult circumstances, he's going to produce then that joy that settled confidence in us. And then the best part of all, too, is that this joy eventually, it overflows out of us, which will pave the way 
than for others to be able to see what would happen if they put their ultimate trust in God as well. Because they're seeing that even in the midst of some of the pain you're going through, that you are still able to have some joy. You might be sad, you might be broken, you might be hurting, but yet there's still some type of joy that's within you. That comes from the Holy Spirit. Next part was never stop praying. Woo, yeah. Corey Tenboom, an incredible woman who helped save Jews' lives during World War II, wrote a famous book called A Hiding Place. She asks a very, very important question. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? I don't even know if I have a spare tire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, think about this with prayer. For many of us, we would probably say, Phew, if we're honest, it's the spare tire, right? We don't think about prayer until we get into some type of a bind when we need something from God. Then maybe sort of kind of, then I'm going to lift up some prayers because I'm in need right now. Instead, though, Paul encourages us to really allow prayer to drive all that we do. To drive all that we do. When I'm driving here, I'm praying this morning. Before I get up on stage, I'm praying for God to somehow, some way, work in our lives today to change us from the inside out, to transform us, to make us more like him, to mold us, to get more on fire for him than ever before. Prayer is what is the driving force behind that. That's why prayer meetings are so awesome. I was just talking to Derek earlier, and he was talking about his men's group and how they're just having this amazing time of prayer together with eight men just linking arms and just falling on their knees and just praying out to God, crying out to him. Isn't that awesome? That's how revival can begin to take place within our hearts. So Paul encourages us to let prayer drive us. In its simplest form, prayer is dependence on God, right? It's an ongoing acknowledgement that I want God to lead and to guide my life. For him to be the leader. For him to be the director. For him to be the one that is guiding us. We're going to be doing a series coming up after this one. Psalm 119. We're going to go through that as we lead into Easter. And, it, and it's, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, right? And a light for my path. It's going to be, we're going to be dealing all through Psalm 119. It's going to be beautiful to watch. You see, sometimes though, we don't pray because we don't know what to say to God. Think about that. I've been there. Not sure what to kind of say to him. Here's just a couple of short statements that we could speak to God and we can speak it out loud. We can speak it within our heart, however we want to speak it. But depending on what our circumstances that we find ourselves in, here's some right here. How about rescue me? Simple words. Rescue me, God. Strengthen me. Don't we need strength each and every day? Whew. We need that. Bless me, oh Lord, so I can be a blessing to others. Forgive me so that I can forgive others. That's a tough one, isn't it? Or another one I would add to that, help me. Especially when the kids are driving you nuts and you're like, ah, 
Cal gone take me away? You can't do it. You're like, help me. You know, God, intervene in some way, shape, or form in this, right? And then the last one, not my will, but your will be done. Yeah. A lot of times we want what we want, when we want, how we want, not God's will. So we have to say, okay, we want your will to be done in every situation. There's no magical formula when it comes to prayer. All it takes is for us to live with our ears and our hearts open to our personal, loving Father who wants nothing more than to have this true, authentic, ongoing relationship with each of us. Man, when I discovered that as an almost 17-year-old, that rocked my world. To think the God of the universe wants to have this true relationship with me, with me, little me, what? And to be able to realize not a religion, it's a relationship with Jesus. When we fully grasp that, you guys, that changes everything. That increases our prayer lives. Because then we can't help but want to talk to God. Because we know that he's there. He's our loving father, right? How about this one? Being thankful in all circumstances. Notice that Paul does not say we have to be thankful for all circumstances. You've heard us say that numerous times. It would be bizarre if we were supposed to be grateful when a friend kind of betrays us, stabs us in the back. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We're getting stabbed in the back. Thank you. No, that's not what he's talking about here. Or to be grateful somehow when you get a cancer diagnosis. No. Or to be to be thankful that a, uh, a beloved family member died or a friend dies. You know, I'm going to a funeral later today of a, a friend that I've known for over 30 years going down to Springfield tonight. You know, you just never know from a time standpoint when somebody's going to pass. I'm not thankful for that, okay? But rather, Paul says to be thankful in all circumstances so we can still be thankful that God is in control even in the midst of some hard stuff that's going on. When you are in Christ, your perspective shifts from seeing things from your point of view to his point of view, which means that even when we go through the worst of circumstances, we can be thankful that he is with us in the valley. Isn't that great? He's holding our hands in the valley. He's leading us through that valley. He's still at work in our lives, that he's never going to waste our pain. Somehow, some way, he's going to bring some sort of good out of every difficult situation. That's Romans 8, 28. And that's not to be said flippantly. That's to realize he is going to work for our good, no matter what the situation. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, as we just keep on chugging through this, we see that Paul continues with his conclusion, he turns to the topic of truth and how the Spirit is intertwined with this. And he says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit, okay? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to help us to see truth. So another word for stifle is the word quench, and it literally means to extinguish a fire, okay? In this case, it's a reference to pouring water on the burning fire of God's spirit inside of us. Yeah. We have to understand that God does not want to 
pour water on the fire with it. If you've got a fire that's burning with inside of you for Jesus and that passion, it gets deeper and stronger. That's a good thing, you know? That's a good thing. But Paul's point is clear. We may come to church and claim our status as being in Christ, but it doesn't mean that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. Too many times, though, we pour water on the fire in different ways. Sometimes we pour water on that spirit fire when we commit blatant, habitual sin over and over again. And we don't really repent. We kind of sort of maybe confess it, but we just do it again and again, and we're not really repenting of it. Or when we choose not to forgive others as a result, and then we get bitter. We get angry and bitter. Or when we gossip or slander about others, somehow to make ourselves look better than everybody else. Or when we refuse to be generous, and we, we keep all of our money, our resources to ourselves because we gotta be able to support our lifestyle after all. We can't give away too much, you know. We gotta be able to do what we wanna do. Well, wait a second. Or maybe there's other ways that we ignore God's ways in favor of our own ways. All of that really pours water on that fire. We gotta ask ourselves an honest question. Honest question, are you pouring water or gasoline on the fire of God's spirit in your lives? Are you pouring water or gasoline on the fire of God's spirit in your lives? A lot of times we see a fire, we want to put it out, right? We, we think of that. But here with God's fire, no, we want it to burn brighter, more intensely all the time. You see, if it's the latter with the gasoline, where we're really getting it to burn, then we can allow God's spirit to lead our lives. Then we can rely on him to help us do the following thing, which is so important. Not scoffing at prophecies, but testing everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. You see, when Paul was writing this letter, and even before this, there were numerous prophets who were called by God himself to speak on his behalf. While Paul affirmed this form of communication, he also was aware of the danger that there were people who called themselves prophets. They called themselves prophets of God. They claimed to speak on God's behalf, but they were saying things that weren't true. How were they supposed to know the difference in all of this? You see, as a church, together with the Spirit's leading, they were to test Test it, examine it through the lens of seeing if it was being confirmed through the truth of what they already knew about the person and the work of Jesus, right? To see if it was confirmed with that. They were to accept what was true and reject what wasn't true. And when it comes to us today, we have an advantage in some ways over the Thessalonians. We have the completed scriptures right here in our hands, don't we? Right here. 66 books of the Bible, right here, right in our hands, where we can test and we can approve what is true. Too many times we just kind of fall prey to all kinds of weird theology that's out there. Well, God told me this. God said this. Does it match his word? If it doesn't match his word, it's not true. 
It's got to match up to what his word is talking about. I've had so many people over the years that have come to me, and they'll tell me all kinds of wild, crazy things and say, well, I think God wants me to do this. And I'll be thinking, oh, my lands, i got to pray for you right now because this is complete opposite of what his word says. It has to match up. If it doesn't, it's not God's will. we got to test it, right? We have to test it. We live in a world where a lot of people are going to make a lot of claims about God. Some are going to be really good. However, if someone says something that's not in God's word, then it can't come from God. For God is always bound. He's bound by his word. We have two free resources here at the church that kind of helps you to grow in your understanding of God's word. First one is the, the Dwell app. You know, we talked about that a little bit earlier. It's beautiful, wonderful. It reads scripture to you. You can download that onto your phone. It's a great way. Another one is Right Now Media, right? How many of you guys have used Right Now Media? Yeah, it's awesome. Some of the best biblical teaching in the world. Right there, it's, a, it's like a library right there at your fingertips. It's amazing. These are all different speakers, authors, teachers that are strong in their theology and the word. These are ways to help us as we grow, as we be able to, to test and approve what God's will is, to see what truth really is. In a world that's dying for truth, truth is found in his word. Lastly, we go into 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. As Paul puts his final touches on the letter, he wants to encourage the Thessalonians with one hope you'll promise. This is what he says. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Yeah. Paul refers to God here as the God of what? Peace. He's the God of peace. He's the Prince of peace. God's the ultimate source of peace, which means when we go to him, he's gonna give us peace with himself and then the ability to be able to have peace with others. If we don't have peace with God, it's going to be hard to really be at peace with others. This God of peace's role is to partner with us, to make us holy, right? To make us more like Jesus in every way possible, which is why Paul refers to the whole person, doesn't he? Spirit, soul, body. And even though sometimes we may fail to kind of play our part in this. God, though, is never going to fail. He's never going to fail. Just like we sang, he's never going to fail. He won't fail us, even though sometimes, man, we drop the ball on the one-yard line. You know what? He doesn't fail us. He's faithful. As the band comes out now, I believe, is the band coming out? Here we go. Wonderful. I'm going to read these verses, and we're going to sing a closing song at the end of these verses. It says in Lamentations 3, the faithful love of the Lord never ceases. It never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. We just sang it. His mercies begin afresh each morning. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins, cleanse us from all wickedness, and then Psalm 89, 
I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever and ever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. Isn't that great? That his faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. We're going to close together today. And just as we wrap up this whole series on thriving, I'm just going to ask you to stand right now. We're just going to sing about the utter goodness of God. Isn't our God so good? Our God is so good. And so many times we look at all the problems in this world and we look at all the issues and all the things that are trying to knock us down every single day but we can realize that our God is so good. And we can sing this from the depths of our heart, no matter where we go. So I pray that we sing this from our hearts today and keep on singing it. When you drive home, keep on singing it today about the goodness of God. Amen.